so thank you for everyone who's joining us live. Lovely to see you. And anyone who's kind of joining us on the on the reruns, hopefully uh, you'll be able to, to catch most of this as well. So this is our, our first monthly uh, subscriber cupping. We've been trying to work out the best way of kind of getting more information out to uh, to all our wonderful members about the coffee, because there's quite a lot of kind of why we picked the coffee, what we tasted with the coffee, background on the roasters that we've kind of got in our heads. And there's only so much that we can uh, that we can put in the booklet. So we thought we'd uh, we'd do a, a monthly cupping, taste the coffees. You can come and ask any questions that you uh, that you might want. So feel free just to jump off um, off mute and ask any question about any any topic coffee related, and I'll uh, I'll do my best to answer it. But uh, but for this the April selection, the uh, the four coffees that we've got in kind of the main subscription. Uh, the roasters that we're using are, are Red Bank from over in the Lake District. We have Machina from up in Edinburgh. We have Old Spike from Brixton, from Peckham, sorry, down in London. And then we have 39 Steps from Woolwich uh, in southeast London uh, as well. So we've got a wide range of the country uh, that we're, we're covering today and a very different selection of coffees here. So we've got coffee from Asia, Central America, and then a couple from South America as well. So we've tried to mix it up um across kind of origins and also uh, processing methods as well so two of the coffees if you're on the four bag subscription two of the coffees this month are, are washed so the east team or from red bank is a washed coffee and the um the guatemala from machina is a washed coffee as well so they should be quite clean and when you taste them you should start kind of getting quite a lot of the the acidity coming through there's a, a few notes that you should be able to kind of catch and then the other two, the bag three, which is the Old Spike Columbia, that's a natural process Columbia. A bit rare for Columbia. Normally, Colombians would be washed, typically. But this is a, a great example of a natural Columbia. And then for the four bag subscribers from 39 Steps, we've got a Bolivian natural, which I believe is the first one that we've actually had in the sub in, in over four years. And we'll explain why we don't get as many Bolivias as we do maybe the Guatemala or the Colombia uh, as we go through. But um, if you are cupping along and you're actually going to taste the coffee today, now would be a good time just to make sure your kettle is uh, is boiled. Um, the way that the cupping will work when we get to it, there's going to be a couple of little gaps in in the uh, the process. So the first thing is we're going to grind the coffee, then we're going to pour the coffee on, then we're going to wait four minutes after we've uh, poured that coffee on just for it to all settle. Then we're going to take the top kind of crusty bit off the top uh get rid of that and then we're going to wait probably till eight minutes from when the water went in and the reason that we wait a little bit is because it's going to be too hot to taste once we take the first bit of the uh, the coffee off all you'll taste is just hot water really uh, our bodies are designed to to taste things as it cools down so we, we're going to want to wait maybe eight minutes to ten minutes and then probably another 12 minute uh timer as well because what you'll find is what you taste the first time at eight minutes, when you come back and taste that same coffee four minutes later, and we've got to like the 12 or 13 minute mark, you're gonna see that different things kind of jump out of the cup at you. Normally things like acidity are gonna be more pronounced. So if we've got, uh, for example, the Machina, uh, Guatemala, which has got kind of orange zest in it, you might not necessarily get that straight away, but you'll probably get that tasting note as you've kind of gone on uh, to that kind of 12 minute mark. 
So that's what we're going to do. Um, so yeah, feel free if you want to now. We're, we're kind of the right time. If you want to grind the coffee, we can get that started and then we can start talking about things while we've got that waiting rather than just, uh, just staring at each other, which I'm always obviously more than happy to do as well. So as we mentioned, I've weighed out eight and a half grams of coffee uh, of each one. Uh, and I know that eight and a half grams in this cup that I've got is going to be absolutely right from the, uh, the ratio. So this cup will do 150 uh, mil. I've got eight and a half grams. So I, once, I, uh, once I've ground this coffee, I can just pour straight to the top of this cup and life will be good. If you've got a cup which is bigger, obviously you've got the, cho the choice of weighing it. So you know either how much goes in it altogether and you can adjust your, um, your, your coffee or you can just put the right amount of coffee in eight and a half grams and then just put it on the scale and weigh it up to, uh, to 150 mil. Both options are fine. And I said, we don't have to be particularly accurate with this. We just want to make sure that they're all the same ratio. So as you taste down the cups, you're not going to get um, kind of <laughs> kind of sidelined by the fact that one's got more coffee in and then maybe taste more pronounced than the others. So what I'm going to do quickly is I'm just going to grind these coffees off in, uh, in the grinder behind me. It's going to make a big noise, which is always good fun. And then we'll be back to talk about um, the coffees themselves. So feel free if you haven't already ground your coffee, uh, now would be a good time. Dave? Yes. Sorry. Can I just ask? I just ask what what you yeah, that's a good point. So for me, it's, again, we I've made my life too easy. So on the EK43, typically uh, grind side seven is the uh, is the appropriate number. So that would be uh, almost the SCA standard would be seven on, on the, the EK. That would match to kind of a, a slightly fine French press, maybe would probably be a good way of describing it. Uh, what we might do actually next time is we might send out a uh, kind of a small sample pack. I don't know if anyone did the James Hoffman cupping when he did the world's largest cupping. He sent out a kind of a little um, see-through plastic bag with a, a, a guide grind size. And that's roughly what you need to get. But for us, that would be kind of a, either it's on the fine end of pour over, fine end of um, cafetiere, really. So... Again, it doesn't really matter. You don't want to go too far. You don't want to be an espresso grind size here. That's just going to make um, the extraction far too fast. You're not going to be nuanced. You're probably better off, if anything, going slightly coarser than you think, because you're steep in the, uh, the you're steep in the grounds in the water. It's going to kind of work its way through. So that's what I'd recommend: kind of a fine uh, cafetiere um, grind size. But again, if you happen to have an EK43 in your lounge. Um, then it's going to be a lot easier to set it to seven and we're good to go. So, so I'm going to grind now. So apologies about the noise, but I feel it should be on for authenticity. turn off the noisy beast so that everyone can uh, can still hear hear themselves think um what again what you would normally do is you'd normally have a purge um bean in between there or two so two or three beans between each one so you grind the first one put a couple of beans through just to let that clear through any of the residue if you had something like a niche obviously you're going to have less um grounds retained than i've got with the uk the uk is a wonderful grinder but it does tend to retain quite a lot of uh, coffee uh, in the shoot. Um, 
So that's that. We'll let everyone catch up and, and make sure that you've got your uh, your coffee ground. And then we'll kind of talk through some of the uh, bits about the coffee. So I think we'll probably start when we talk about kind of why we selected the coffee and, and what to expect from it. I think we'll probably start with the with the Red Bank um, to begin with. So Red Bank are a roaster over in the Lake District. They've actually just moved roasteries very recently to uh, quite, a, quite a nice space, actually, just near the top of the, uh, the M6, but still in the Lake District. So they've got a lot more space now. So uh, Red Bank's run by uh, a guy called Tom. And Tom Press, which used to be uh, a lawyer in London, and he uh, suddenly got the, the urge to, to leave all of that life behind him and come and be a coffee roaster uh, instead, which I think is a fantastic idea. Uh, so he's, uh, he's definitely done the right choice. And alongside Tom, we have uh, Barista Mick on Instagram. So Mick is the is the head of roaster at uh, at Red Bank, and does a fantastic job. You uh, you always know with Red Bank, you're going to get a very nice, even roast throughout as many um, kind of roast batches uh, that we need. And for us, obviously, being a headline coffee, there's a lot of roast batches, so it takes quite a lot of um, individual roast to get all of the coffee out to all of you. Because it's a 15 kilo roaster, they probably roast batches of 12 kilos. We need significantly more than that. So that's why sometimes you'll find when you get, when you get a coffee, it's not always necessarily 100% the same between say the four people on this call. You might have a slight difference if you happen to be on one side of that roast batch or the other. But uh, Tom, we've been working with Tom for quite some time. And Tom has historically, and well, probably for him, thinks unfortunately got onto our roasters we can trust and go to and to get help when we need it uh, list, which is quite a small list, but it's still a nice list to have. So occasionally we found that we've uh, had a roaster maybe let us down, the coffee's not been there or it's not been delivered, and then we still need to get coffee out to all you wonderful people. So sometimes we have to then put in the, a phone call uh, on the back phone to say, we need coffee tomorrow. Can you help us out? And Tom has managed to do that a few times for us. So he's uh, taken up slots that somebody else was lined up for and has helped us recover um, from lost coffee. Uh, the last time that we had to do that, I ended up driving to the Lake District and we did a coffee drop uh, in a nice pub uh, on one of the lakes, which was lovely. So we didn't mind that one quite as much. And he brought his dog. So that was nice, too. Uh, this time, though, we thought instead of giving him a last minute panicky phone call saying, can you help us, Tom? We thought we'd give him a little bit more time. So about five months ago, we said, Tom, we're lining you up for April or May. Can you go away and find us something interesting? Uh, and he said, yeah, I'm sure that's not going to be a problem. And what he came back with was this East Timor uh, coffee that we have uh, here today. So this is a washed uh, coffee from East Timor. Now, interestingly enough, and it's, it's probably worth uh, while if you, if you don't know this, it's quite interesting to see. So if you look at a washed coffee and if you have a look at a washed coffee bean, so if you take uh, a bean, you'll notice that in this particular bean on the inside of it, kind of on the flat side, you'll notice there's what's called the silver skin. So there's that little kind of light brown uh, piece of almost parchment in there, almost papery. And what you'll find is that will only exist on wash coffees and potentially honey coffees. So if anyone has a three or a four bag uh, subscription, if you open up one of either the uh, Colombia or the Bolivians, if you have a look, I'll try and find the, the biggest ones that I can. There's some quite beefy beans in here. Notice in this case, I'll find a decent one. You'll notice that that is actually not in there. So in this case, 
the bean is completely clean. So what happens is just the way that the processing works. When it's a natural, it's been dried with all of the cherry on the outside of the bean. So the bean, for those who don't know, is actually the seed inside the coffee cherry. And you have to get all the kind of the the um, the pulp off the outside to get that bean uh, to you. When it's natural, when it dries, you can almost peel the whole thing off and it all comes off in once. Whereas when it's washed, what you're doing is you're smashing it down a sluice gate of water, trying to whizz all of that stuff off it. And those bits in the little gap, they can't get that out unless you're picking things out. So you'll always find if you ever do have to do a, a test about is this a washed coffee or is this a natural coffee? If you get a chance to look at the uh, the roasted bean itself, you'll be able to see that little bit of silver skin. It means it's probably going to be a washed coffee. But in this case, East Timor was an interesting, um, interesting origin. We have had East Timor in before. We had East Timor in with Kelowna uh, last year in our birthday box. That was a honey processed one. But it is still quite a rare coffee origin and for a, a couple of reasons. One, it's actually, I believe, still the world's youngest country. It got independence most recently, uh, 2003, I think that was. So it's a relatively new country. It's for anyone who doesn't know where it is. It's kind of bolted onto the, um, the side of Indonesia. So I'll just quickly show you a, a map because I'm going to want to show you Bolivia as well in a minute. So if anyone wants to know where East Timor is, it's just down here, just north of Australia, just south of Indonesia. So as you can tell, coffees from this part of the world, Java and Sumatra, those kind of things, they normally have quite a typical flavour profile. They're normally quite earthy. They've got a big body and they're normally like that for a good reason. And that is because the way they process their coffee. They do something called uh, wet hulling because it's quite humid over there. It's very difficult to dry the bean out. So you keep a lot of this moisture in there and it makes it kind of an earthy uh, coffee. And East Timor, you would imagine, would be the same, but they see they've taken a different approach to their uh, processing historically. So they've been quite uh, advanced with that. So coffee's from over here. This is where it's come from and it's a wash coffee, so it's a very clean coffee. So the tasting notes in here, you're going to find um there's an interesting one uh which we'll talk about when we start tasting it but you've got currants you've got red currants and you've got some uh caramel sweetness as well it doesn't have that earthy quality that you would normally have with something like an uh, a sour and kind of a pacific room asian uh coffee so while that's um while that's happening we'll tell you some more about east timor in a minute but now's probably a good time for everyone who's got their coffee their water boiled if you've got a temperature control kettle, I tend to use 94 degrees. If you've just got a normal uh, kitchen kettle, do feel free just to kind of put it on the boil, take it off the boil, give it a few uh, seconds, and that will then come down to the temperature that you want. And then what we'll do is we will um, swap over and we'll show you a couple of things that you can do uh, to help your, your cupping process. So hopefully that camera's not moved. No, brilliant. I'll just reboil my kettle and the key thing when we're pouring the water onto the uh, onto the coffee now you're going to want for me as i said i'm going to be filling it right up to the top you want to make sure that all of the grounds have been kind of steeped in the water you don't want any of those missing you don't want anything floating on the top so you'll find a lot of people actually um when you're pouring you find a lot of people are doing kind of this backwards and forwards and round and round with with the kettle trying to get everything kind of dampened off but actually a, a pretty good way of doing it is to just pour quite vigorously, but in one location uh, on the uh, on the cup. So I'm also going to start the timer because we're going to want about four minutes on that timer. But if you pour directly into um, 
into one place. I'm hoping that this will work. Uh, it never does when it comes to demos, but we'll go like that and we'll bring it all the way up and then we'll slow it off at the top. And you see there, all of the uh, grounds have now been covered with water. You haven't got any floating at the top. I'll just do the same again for the machina. So you don't have to do a lot of pouring left and right. You just want to make sure that those are all covered in water. Let this one go as well. And then the Bolivia too. So what we're going to do, we're going to leave those now for four minutes. And then when four minutes is up, we're going to start um, taking off the, the crust. And again, we'll, we'll give you some tips, but at the end of the day, all you need to do is get the crust off of that coffee and you'll be absolutely, uh, absolutely fine again. So don't worry about if you're not doing it in the, the right way for a, a, a cup in. There is no real right way as long as that top comes off because you don't want to be getting big mouthfuls of uh, ground coffee when you're tasting it. So back to, uh, to East Timor. So East Timor is, uh, again, it's a slightly rare um, origin. But more importantly at the moment as well, so with Red Bank, on the back of their labels, I've already obviously taken my label off, so we'll get one with a label. So on the back of all of the um, Red Bank coffees, you've got a little uh, QR code on the back. And normally what Tom uses, it just means that it gives you an easy way to, to go and get more information about the coffee office website. But in this case, actually back on uh, April the 4th, there's a massive uh, set of mudslides in uh, East Timor. It's left thousands and thousands of people homeless. And there's uh, a fundraiser going on from the importers for this coffee raw material. And if anyone does want to scan at the back, you'll be able to hear more about what's happening over there and, and what raw materials are trying to do uh, to help them. They did a similar thing with Rwanda last year with the, the same kind of problem. There was uh, landslides in Rwanda and it took out a lot of their coffee producing uh, families and and a lot of people lost their lives as well as their livelihoods so if you do want to have a scan at the back and you'll be able to see more information about the the east timor um fundraiser that's going on but other than that um interesting things about the east timor when we first tasted it, it was almost kenyan like in its um in its taste profile and that's because of the kind of the currenty thing which came through but also what i want you to do when you are tasting this coffee there's a different kind of taste on this one and it's um it's an umami taste so it's not just a sweet coffee. It's not just a fruity coffee. You're going to find something in there as well. And it's almost a, umami is a difficult thing to kind of describe, but it's almost a saltiness in there. So it'll make it a, almost a savory note to go alongside the sweetness that you've got uh, with it. If you want to kind of identify umami a little bit more, the number one thing to find umami in as a taste um, flavor is tomatoes. So if you want to go and eat yourself a, a vine tomato, There'll be an umami taste in there. There'll be an odd taste sensation. I wouldn't necessarily say do it right now, but if you happen to have a tomato later on and you want to do that, you, you can. And that's why you'll find with a lot, a lot of Kenyan coffees now, you'll see typically blackcurrant still, but a lot of those will now start saying vine tomato in there or tomato soup. And that's just trying to get you to the point that actually it's got this savory note to it as well as the, um, as well as the sweetness. So just bear that one in mind as you're going through and tasting that. Now, the Guatemala from Machina. Now, this was, um, again, it's a wash coffee. We had this coffee last year, but from 100 House, around about this same time, funnily enough, because it's uh, it's harvest time. And when we had the chance to bring it back in, we thought we had to do that because it was such a, um, a well 
uh, received coffee. We thought we had a chance to bring it back in. So we'll, we'll bring it in now. But we've just got to four minutes. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to switch back cameras and we will break the crust on this coffee. So I'm going to use two spoons for this eventually, but to start with, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to get this, the, the uh, which one's the easiest one to do? You should really start left to right, but I've got a big cable in my way for this one. But when you um, break the crust, you want to push kind of down through the crust and then move it forward. So you're going to go down and forward, and that'll break the crust, and you'll see that that starts uh, sinking uh, to the bottom. What I should have said was that this black bowl here should have water in it as well. But I wasn't paying attention. Uh, so I'll do that now. And then you're just going to want to rinse that spoon off and you're going to want to do the same for the next coffee. So down and push. And when you do it, if you can get close to the cup, have a good old sniff of that coffee as you break the crust, because that's where you get the maximum uh, aroma flavour profile comes through on that original break as it all kind of bursts through from underneath the crust. So if you have a good sniff of those coffees as well. So I'm hoping you'll be able to start, obviously you might not all have all four, but the, if you only have two, I'm hoping you'll still be able to smell the difference between the two. There'll be a, a definite difference there. Um, it's more noticeable if you are on the three and the four bag. These two will taste much different from these two. Uh, so just get ready for that one. And then to get rid of that crust on the top so you don't end up getting big mouthfuls of, um, of ground coffee, you can do it whichever way you want, but there is a technique for it. And it's uh, if you put both spoons together like like this, so they're almost the, they're, they're spooned together, put those in and you fan them out around the cup. And then the one of them goes underneath the other and it collects all the stuff which has come across. And you should get a relatively clean top of the coffee. Now, you don't have to do that. You can just do it one handed and you can just kind of put your spoon under there and you can just try and catch it all. But obviously you don't get quite as much. It probably takes a couple of goes to do it if you want to do it that way. But uh, either way, as long as that top is clean, then you're happy that you're not going to yeah, get big mouthfuls of ground coffee, which nobody wants on a cupping table. And then at that point, you're going to want to start again. Once this is all cleaned off, you're going to want to start smelling the coffee. So when we do a cupping, there's a few sensory um, attributes that we're looking for mainly. So the ones that we're looking for typically are aroma. Now, aroma is the uh, the smell of the coffee once it's been uh, covered in water. If you hear the term fragrance, that's the smell of the coffee before you put the water in. So once you've ground the coffee, if you give that a good smell, you're smelling the fragrance of the coffee and you can start making notes about what you think that coffee is going to taste like. Uh, and then with the aroma, once you've wet it at this stage, this is when you get in the aroma of the coffee. And then once we're happy that it's cooled down to a, a temperature that we, uh, the, we want it to be, then you can start tasting and you're obviously in the taste of that. After you've tasted it and either drunk it or spat it out, you are more than welcome to spit the coffee out. It is 6.30. We probably want to get some sleep. Uh, so you can spit it out. Once you spat it out, you're going to have like a residual taste and that's the aftertaste and that's what's what's left. So it's either residual or, or what's left. And you're going to want that to be kind of clean or uh, maybe funky, depending on, on what you're looking for in a coffee. And these should all be different. But the Machina, uh, this was uh, from Finca Valour. So as I said, it's one of the coffees that we had from, from last year. It's probably my favourite washed 
Guatemala that we have because it is a really well-produced coffee. It's very clean. The tasting notes are, are very traditionally Guatemalan. You've got chocolate, you've got nuts, and you've got orange. That's a very Guatemalan washed uh, profile, and this is done really well. Uh, people are already uh, liking this one. Uh, Machina, and they've been going on uh, for quite some time now up in Edinburgh. As the name may suggest, they started out as a um, equipment manufacturer for high-end uh, coffee equipment, and then they branched out into roasting and then into cafes, uh, and then more and more into, into retail bags. If you get a chance and you uh, maybe <laughs> mortgage your house, possibly for some of them, they get a really good range at the moment of high-end uh, rare coffee. So we had a chance to try one of their Kenyan naturals. That's a combination we'd never had before, so that was quite interesting. They just had a banana processed Ethiopian, which was uh, another very interesting one. So just keep your eye out. They do some quite interesting high-end coffees, um, as well as kind of the, the things that we you tend to see uh, in the shops. Now, over to the Old Spike. The Old Spike are, are interesting. So Old Spike are uh, another social enterprise roaster down in London. So we've had Redemption in and we've had uh, New Ground in who focus on uh, rehabilitation of offenders. Now, Old Spike, are um, their focus is on helping people who have been uh, affected by homelessness. So uh, their uh, profits go into retraining and into helping people uh, get jobs and interviews and all of that kind of good stuff. So again, another really good story behind the roastery there. But this particular coffee, they sent it to us uh, back in January. And we tried it and normally we don't wait from January till, till April to put a coffee in because it, they tend to, to, to disappear. But this was so good uh, that we asked them to keep it. And thankfully they kept all of their stock. They took it straight away off of the website for us, which was very nice of them. And we ended up with, I think, three bags more uh, at the end, three months later than we needed. So that was, uh, it turned out to be very lucky that all of those numbers uh, matched up. But this is, a, again, it's a natural Colombian, which is quite rare, but this one is different from some of the other naturals that we've had in recently. So we've had quite a lot of naturals this year because I just think it's the way that the, the market has gone with, with COVID and, and a lot of these coffees we wouldn't normally be able to get hold of. Uh, are suddenly available to us. So we've gone through quite a good number of naturals. So if anyone had the uh, the pop coffee uh, last month, that's a very funky natural. It had a lot of uh, crazy notes in there. This one from the Old Spike, if, you, if you're on the three bag or four bags uh, subscription, is very fruity. This is what I would consider a, uh, a yellow marked coffee in my, um, in my mind. This is pineapple mango passion fruit. It's a tropical fruit coffee. So that won't, by the time you get to that one on the cupping table, you should hopefully notice that it's quite different. Another quick note before we do get tasting, because we are at tasting time now. Um, if you do a, t a cupping table, you should typically go wash coffees first and then end on the natural coffees. So you shouldn't go natural to washed. You should go from washed to natural. And the reason being, by the time you get to the natural, the flavours are going to be particularly strong normally, and the body will be quite strong as well. So it might um, mess with your tasting going back to the washed. So you should go washed to natural, which just happens to be how our tables uh, set up from one to one to four. So please now feel free to dive into uh, into the coffee, um, cup in, take out a bit on your spoon and give it a big old slurp. I'm going to go on mute for this because nobody wants to hear massive amounts of slurping. Uh, on anything really, but especially not on on a recording of uh, this. There's a new protocol as well because cupping 
if you can imagine doing this in a big group, could be now considered slightly unhygienic with uh, with what's going on. Everyone's dipping their spoons into the same coffee. So there's actually a new protocol now whereby you'd have a cup with you and you'd have your spoon. You'd spoon out of the, uh, the, the cupping cup into your own drinking cup and you'd drink from that drinking cup. So you've never put the, the spoon, which goes into the coffee, into your mouth. So that's a new system. So if you ever go to a, a big cupping at a, a roastery, just notice you might not necessarily be doing what we're doing now. You might have to do this spoon into the cup, drink the cup. But uh, from here, as I said, I'm just going to go and mute very quickly to slurp through the coffees and I'll be back in a sec. So I've been cupping these coffees for quite some time, so probably one one round is enough for me. I'd recommend going through it a couple of times uh, yourself. And it'd be interesting to uh, for anyone who is cupping along, if you want to come off mute and kind of let me know what you think, which coffees you've gone through. Is, is there anything you can taste in, in any of them in particular? Um, do you have a preference for, for one or the other? So feel free, please do come off, uh, come off mute and or type in the chat window. If you don't want to talk, that's fine too. But it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on kind of how those coffees have have kind of progressed down the table. But with silence, I'm more than happy to fill in the gap as well. So, so for me, <clears throat> as you go down the, uh, the line, so the thing about the Red Bank, when you taste the Red Bank, there should be kind of a sweetness there at this stage of its, uh, of its cupping time. But there's also that saltiness. There should be kind of a slight saltiness to it. Uh, almost like uh, salted caramel, which is it's a combination I'm never quite sure about. But um, in this case, I, it, I can see why it does it, because the salt can highlight the sweetness and it, and it gives you a contrast there. So for me, the thing which comes out is that salted caramel piece in, in the Red Bank. <clears throat> but you'll have a, a berry um, acidity behind it as well. When you move on to the, on to the, uh, the machina, I find a much cleaner cup. So for me, it's a very clean coffee and there's something which stands out in there for me. And it's that um, that citrusy note. It's uh, for me, it's a, an orange, a tangerine -y kind of flavor with a bit of chocolate behind it. But the thing which comes out is it's, it's a very clean acidity which comes through from the machine. Then if you move to the uh, the Old Spike Columbia, for me, this is at the moment one of my coffees of the year. When you taste it, for me, it tastes just like somebody mentioned it on uh, on social. It tastes like lilt, so it's um, it's that totally tropical taste. When you taste it, you've got buckets and buckets of tropical fruit. If you're on the three bag, if you can't, if you don't have the three bag, obviously you're not going to taste that. You have to take my word for it. And then the Bolivia at the end is again, it's another natural, but it's not as fruity as the Colombian. It's got a little bit more, uh, almost of a of a hazelnut liqueur kind of tasting note to it. So it's a, a slightly boozy but nutty flavour. For that one so the four are quite different um and they all bring something to the table uh but again if, if anyone wants to say which one they think they uh, they prefer or if there is any preference or anything that they can taste feel free to uh, to come off uh, mute now it's uh, it's it's quite a crowd pleaser i think it's uh -huh. a, as long as you like naturals and fruity coffee i think it's um we love fruity coffee. 
Fantastic. So I think it's vindicated our our approach to wait. It's very difficult for us to wait that long for a coffee this good. Um, but yeah, three months was was quite a long time. So I'm glad that people are liking it because otherwise I would look really silly if I'd waited three months and everyone said I don't like that one. Um, so yeah, so that's a very much what I would consider. We, we have a, um, a coffee schedule and I color code all the coffees that we've ever had. As I said, that one is very much bright yellow, which means it's uh, it's tropical. So if it's pineapple, mango, passion fruit, something like that, would it be marked down as yellow? If it is more kind of strawberries, raspberry, then we mark it down as red, but still fruity. Um, so I guess the only one that I haven't spoken about yet so far is the uh, Bolivian from 39 Steps. So I'll just swap camera again so you're not just looking at uh, empty bowls. <clears throat> But the 39 steps on the other end, uh, so they're a Southeast London-based roaster. So they come from Woolwich, uh, Southeast London, which is uh, good for me because all my family comes from Woolwich. So it's always nice to uh, to, to see that on, uh, well, on anything really. So I'm happy with, uh, with that uh, from their location. But Bolivia is an interesting place. So Bolivia, we don't get much coffee from Bolivia. And we don't get much coffee from Bolivia for two reasons. Number one is you don't get much coffee from Bolivia. That's the first thing. And number two, the coffee that you do get from Bolivia is typically quite expensive. Now, it's not necessarily expensive because it's fantastic coffee. I mean, this is a it's, a, it's an 87 scoring coffee. It's a really nice coffee, but it's not six pounds worth because it's, it's a nice coffee. Now, again, I'll just quickly uh, show you why. I'll see if anyone can guess why, actually. Let's see if anyone can guess why it might be um, a bit more expensive. So if I show you uh, South America, this is South America. If you have a look at the countries who typically produce coffee in South America, you're looking at uh, Brazil over here. You're looking at Peru down the side. You've got Colombia up here. If you go into Central America, you've got Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, all of those countries. And then you've got Bolivia, uh, which is sitting, oh, not there. Let's uh, try and get back to Bolivia. So then you've got Bolivia, which is sitting here. So I was wondering if anyone can kind of have a have a guess at why Bolivian coffee is sometimes harder to get and slightly more expensive, if anyone's got any uh, any guesses. Is it because they're inland, so it's harder for them to ship out? I presume that they've got to pay tax either through Chile or Brazil to try and ship out. That is absolutely right. So it's a landlocked country where all the other countries have got the um, got the uh, the chance of having a port on their uh, on their doorstep but yeah so bolivia you need to get it from normally the uh it's in this mountain range down here so you're probably going to have to get it to maybe peru i doubt they're going to go through brazil but they're going to have to then go through customs cross borders uh you're going to have to transport it swap it over so yeah typically that's exactly right because it's a landlocked country bolivia is a much harder country to, to get coffee out of now interestingly as another pop quiz does anyone else know of any other landlocked uh, coffee countries uh, out there which sometimes cause a, a bigger problem than they should? It's in a different continent, if that helps. Probably Southern African. It is. And funnily yeah, enough, Congo or something like that. well, actually, one of the biggest ones is that Ethiopia doesn't have a port. <laughs> so Ethiopia is technically landlocked with Somalia on one end and Djibouti and Eritrea on the other. So Ethiopia, one of the biggest um, coffee producing countries, is actually landlocked uh, as well. So there's sometimes you'll notice that Ethiopian coffees tend to get delayed. So people be waiting for them, waiting for them, 
and then they'll turn up a month later. So it's another reason uh, that you need to be careful when you're trying to source coffees. Roasters have got quite a hard, a hard job trying to deal with the logistics across the world. But um, another thing about uh, 39 Steps, uh, at the London Coffee Festival uh, virtual fringe last week, they actually did uh, a roast along live. Uh, and it's still up on their Instagram page. So if you're interested in A, seeing uh, Julian the roaster and B, seeing how they roast coffee and, and kind of their approach to it, if you go to the 39 Steps website, um, Instagram site, you'll be able to see their Instagram TV and it'll take you through kind of his roasting process and you'll be able to kind of see him and, and say hello. But that's, I guess, for today, what I wanted to kind of take you through in terms of the, the coffee. Um, and if there's any questions that anyone might have had, I'm here to answer them. Uh, anything about recipes or the coffees or why we put them together uh, or any comments. If there's anything you want to see, any roasters you want to see, any coffees you'd like more of, I'm always here to to hear from you. So be yeah. Any any comments, any questions, and do continue to slurp the coffees. You'll now find that as they've gone later, uh, as they've gone longer, uh, they're going to see more of the acidity. So if you, for instance, go into the machiner now, you should start getting just that last end of the the orange acidity on that one, and some of the other things like the the chocolate would have gone down. But uh, yeah, so any questions? More than happy to answer anything about coffee, the sub, um, recipes, anything you might have. Silence again. It's good. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you always try always and try and sort of get a good get balance between washed and and, uh, and, uh, and honeyed or, honeyed or you know. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you just try and mix the processes. Yeah, so we we tend to do it mostly. So when we first look at kind of putting together a monthly uh, subscription, we try to do it based on tasting notes first of all. So we try and make sure that um, as much as some people would love it, we don't end up putting four tropical fruit bombs all the way across the uh, the subscription, because that wouldn't be the most interesting for for a lot of people. And you have this the odd kind of person who just doesn't want any fruity coffees and then they look very upset when they they have four of them so we try and mix it up to have kind of a sweet coffee and a fruity coffee or a funky coffee and um maybe a, a chocolatey coffee so we try and mix it up that way and that tends to then fall into different processing methods just naturally so we try to get a good mix uh, across washed naturals and honeys um but it's interesting you mentioned honey so we've said that we've got quite a lot of naturals have come in this year we've got some really good naturals but what we haven't got so since our birthday month last year we haven't managed to find a single decent natural that we wanted to put in at the right time so at this at the moment i've got a i keep a track of all the coffee that we have we're running this year so that's from about september through to where we are now uh we're running about just under 60 percent washed coffees just over 40 percent naturals whereas normally we'd the, the wash would be about right. There are more, more wash coffees out there that are, are easier to get hold of uh, and are safer and, and nicer to drink. So we normally end up with about 60% wash coffees, about 30% uh, naturals and about 10% uh, honey. Now, be, with honey, just be careful because obviously some people group pulp natural from Brazil into honey because it is technically the same thing. So if you see Brazilian coffees, that, that would tend to be pulp natural. So yeah, we try to keep a mix, but we try to do it mostly on flavor notes first, then on origins and processing methods. So we like to think you're not gonna have uh, an Ethiopia in, in two months, or if you did, you'd probably have an Ethiopia wash and then maybe an Ethiopia natural to give you that difference uh, across those. So yeah, it's, it's quite a balancing act and sometimes my head hurts by the end of the day. And not just because I tested so many coffees.
Fantastic. So, I mean, if there's not any other questions, uh, I just all that's left for me is to say thank you very much for joining us uh, today. We're going to plan to do this um, every month. We, we might try and find a different time of the day um, because we were hoping to get the roasters on as well. But unfortunately, they were uh, one was putting their kids to bed. The other was driving around the, <laughs> the country in a van delivering coffee. So we haven't managed to do it this time. But I'm hoping that next time we're going to be able to bring the roasters on as well. So you can uh, chat to the roasters. They can chat to you. You can ask them any questions. Um, and what we might do is we might uh, make, well, Sue might make me and the roasters do a blind cupping. Uh, so we won't know what the coffees are. Uh, you lot will, obviously. Uh, we won't know and we have to see if we can guess the right ones. So that might come just to add a bit of jeopardy uh, to the uh, the professionals on, <laughs> on, the, uh, on the call. But otherwise, thank you so much for joining us uh, either live or, uh, or watching it on catch up. And yeah, enjoy the coffee this uh, this month. And if you've got any questions, you know where to find us. We're always there to answer anything about anything. Uh, and we love hearing from you all. So uh, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your evening. And yeah, as I said, enjoy the coffees. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. Thanks, Dave. Oh, that's thank brilliant. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Cheers. Bye.